Holy cow. Grab your britches. Hang on to your britches. Or do, do people wear britches anymore? I don't know. Uh, we have huge stuff ahead for you. Uh, and I don't want your britches to be blown off because we have big things in store for you with episode eight of the Hatching Leaders podcast. We are all about people today. It's all about making time for those team members, both before we hire them and after we hire them. Some major inside tips on how to have an incredible hiring process and to have a really exclusive place for people to get into and an inclusive place once you have built it and brought them in. So if you're staring right now at a world in your ecosystem that needs a little more attention, a little more TLC and the right people, this is the episode for you. So grab your britches. They're about to be blown off. My first year in real estate full-time was 2011. I grinded away for uh, half the year, maybe, maybe five months and then my gut's like, dude, you're drowning already. If you're saying no, or if you miss out on at least one piece of business, you're already overworked. So people were nudging me and encouraging me to say, hey man, you should totally, uh, you should totally hire an assistant. And I'm like, that's an awesome idea. But 10 bucks an hour. How in the world am I gonna pay for somebody to work 20 hours a week, 10 bucks an hour? If you do that math, let's go quickly. Uh, that's $200 a week. That's $800 a month. That's about $10,000 a year. And I thought, I can't afford this. You see, I was coming off of being a, a full-time youth pastor, a youth minister, and uh, moving into a job that's full commission-based. You don't know when your next paycheck is coming. So here I am thinking, okay, can I bet on myself? Can I bet on my business? And there was this gal that I saw uh, from my youth group. Her name's Mariah. And she was at an open house, uh, a high school graduation open house. And I said, Mariah, what are you doing for, uh, for the summer? Because she was in college now at Iowa State. And I asked her what she's doing. And she said, you know, <clears throat> I, really don't, I really don't know yet. I'm like, you know what? You should come and work for me. And that's how I hired my first person. Uh, the second person I hired, Mariah, of course, was with us for the summer and then going back to Iowa State. And uh, I placed an ad on Craigslist where all great hires are found. And uh, I had a bunch of people apply. And literally one of the people that applied had put on their skills portion of their resume, perfect attendance through elementary school. It was something. It, it was something pretty special. And uh, I had a gal apply who was uh, sharp and hungry and vivacious. Uh, her name's Kim. And Kim applied, and I hired her after a 30-minute interview because that's what responsible people always do is they just hire people after a 30-minute interview. Uh, Kim and I uh, are like oil and water. At least we were at the time. And it just did not go well. I messed up. She messed up. Uh, I'll put almost all the blame on me, though, because uh, I wasn't a great leader and I wasn't a great uh, a great support of her. And that lasted about 12 months. Uh, it didn't end well. And I just think about that. And like, I've been married for a while now, but if you find me on Tinder, uh, if I'm single, and if I decide to marry somebody after a 30-minute date uh, and, and spending 30 minutes with them to get to know them, and then it's like, hey, we should get married. That's as audacious and foolish as what we're doing when we're actually hiring people after a 30-minute interview. Do you really think we're getting like the gist of who they are and why they are the way that they are? Uh, I hired Kim irresponsibly. 
Uh, I hired Mariah irresponsibly. I, I, in fact, I hired people time over time over time irresponsibly because I built my real estate team uh, from that time in 2011 until early 2013 with that same motto. Find somebody who wants to work with me. If they can fog a mirror, uh, if they have a pulse, and if they can get through a 30-minute conversation with me, I'd hire them. It all came crashing down, of course, uh, in uh, April of 2013. And as it crashed down, I started over in my business and uh, all but two people left me. <laughs> I thought they were the problem. And it turns out I was the problem. Y- you see, we have to be taking time for our team members, not just in the beginning, but in the end as well. We, ha- uh, we-, we have to make sure that we're bringing people on with the right intentionality and we're treating it like a courtship. You wouldn't marry somebody after a 30-minute date. And yet we hire people all the time after a 30-minute surface-level canned answer conversation. It is anything but attractive. It it, it is, in fact, the exact opposite of attractive. It's repulsive, I think. And we wonder why our worlds are so chaotic. And we wonder why we can't figure out in our ecosystems why in the world we can't get the traction that we want. And it's because of the people in our worlds. The people are our responsibilities. The people for who we bring in and how we're protecting our organization, we need to treat it with huge amounts of criticism and critiques. I think of it like this. I think of it like a country club. It needs to be the most exclusive place to get into and the most inclusive place once you're there. So what we've done in our world and our our, uh, chance of developing our business at Hatch Realty is we've adopted a nine-step hiring process. I write about it in my book, Play for the Person Next to You. It's in chapter seven. And I want to make sure that I can lay out at least a foundation here because there are some huge pieces (coughs) that matter a lot. The first is, of course, you have a compelling ad, something that is uh, honest, different than what other people have, and then you need to place it in as many mediums as possible. This is really important to do because quite often, if you just advertise on Craigslist, you're only going to get what Craigslist is offering. And before I even dive in too deep into this, you need to understand that there is a massive difference between somebody being recruited and somebody looking for a job. If you place an ad for the month of May, and in the month of May, the only people you're attracting are those that are looking for a job in the month of May. That's either somebody new to the workforce or somebody who is dissatisfied with their current employment or they're currently unemployed. None of those reek awesome, although you can find awesome in that. None of those ooze out like huge potential. And so to do any of this, you need to be recruiting and you need to be casting a major image of you and your company long-term. Social media gives us a really great platform to do that. Now, again, number one, a compelling ad, and then you place it with a very, very wide net. I'm talking your website, uh, different mediums like Indeed and Monster, Craigslist, LinkedIn. Uh, We use a company called WiseHire, W-I-Z-E-H-I-R-E. WiseHire is a kick-butt company that gives us really great insight on our people. So step number one, cast a wide net. Step number two, you research your people. You creep on them. You, you make sure that the resume that they wrote uh, is at least put together right. 
you make sure that uh, if you look on their social media page that they aren't uh, speaking with such anger and aggression and putting inappropriate things out there. I need to put a caveat and an asterisk on this because we cannot and should not use our creeping time through like researching on social media to exclude people who are of a protected class. Uh, That is just so stupid and silly, but I want to put that asterisk on there to make sure. Number three, and this is huge because I think most everyone's doing number one and number two. Number three is the extra step. Put a giant circle with stars and an arrow pointing to this on your list right now because number three is huge. We do a career night. The best example I can give is when I hired my personal assistant. Uh, Jess is my personal assistant. She is a huge lifesaver for me and a leverage piece, and I don't know how I really functioned without her. Well, I do. I just had everybody else help out with my stuff, and it was really inefficient and unfair to those people who had other jobs to do. We placed the ad and I ended up having 307 applicants to be my personal assistant, which is ironic because when people ask her about her job, they're like, man, you must have the worst job ever. And she's like, no, I love it. But people just see the chaos of my life and they think that her life sucks because of it. But I I love Jess and I try to protect her and protect her time. And so I don't infringe on nights and weekends. Uh, So we do this career night. And as we had 307 applicants, we didn't have 307 people at career night. We whittled down in the funnel, and every one of these steps is a whittling down process. We went from 307 applicants to then we probably invited about 100 to career night. Of the 100 that we invited to career night, we probably had 60 that RSVP'd yes, and then we had about 40 show. And so we went from 300 people down to 40 people by simply adding a career night. Because here's what you don't know is when somebody's applying for a job, they're probably applying for every job. They're just throwing their resume out there to see what sticks. And putting an extra step in there will get you the hand raisers and the people who are interested just in that job. Those people are usually identified through social media and personal invites rather than just a Craigslist posting. So we went down, we had 40 people in the room, and as they walked in, as I saw their body language, their energy, if they were taking notes, uh, if they had RBF or not, like I was paying attention to all this stuff to see who was right. My list was narrowed down to like seven people by simply having a career night from 307 down to seven by adding that one extra step. In that career night, what we're doing is we're painting a really honest picture of how difficult the job would be, not how great it's going to be. Imagine going on your first date and the person's like, here's all my issues. So you know what you're getting yourself into. And that's how we actually treat this is we say, here's all the issues. You got to understand that this is not going to be an easy job and it's going to be demanding and emotional and exhausting. And like, we're putting all those things there to make sure that we're protecting our folks. Now, number four is we send out essay questions. Uh, We have seven different essay questions that we ask people uh, to fill out. And so we had 40 people at career nights and another 20 or so that said they couldn't make it. Uh, And so we went from 60, uh, we whittled down and everybody got a chance to answer the essay questions. And now they were down to, again, we had five to seven people that we were even in favor of. 
Then the next part, so step number five, is a phone interview process. This is about a 30-minute interview asking great questions and figuring out, does this look right? Is this right? Uh, tell me how you tick. And it's not asking, you know, tell me about a time in which you were managed exceedingly well and uh, what are your strengths and weaknesses, you know, all those common questions. Instead, it's like, what are you passionate about? What makes you come alive? Uh, who's the most important person in your life? Like we're asking those kind of questions because we want to learn more about the person than the position. Step number six is reference checks. And when we do reference checks, we go super deep. Uh, we get we get three people to uh, be the references. So they may say, this past coworker, this past boss, and this current uh, person in my life. And we ask about 20 minutes of reference questions to those people. And then we ask each of those people for reference checks. And then we ask each of those people for reference checks. So when we do it right, we get nine total references on a person because I'm not gonna let crazy come into my world. I gotta protect this place with every fiber of my being. Step number seven is a three hour interview and this is lengthy, this is in depth, and this is finding out everything that makes them tick. The first hour and a half to two hours is finding out their life story, the in depth, heavy laden, burdened, really exhausting stories of their life. That's what we're finding out. We're, we're finding out their high highs and their low lows. Are they a victim or a victor? Uh, are they people who are making excuses or are they taking ownership for the wake in which they leave? And then the last 45 minutes or so is really asking questions about uh, how they perform in the workplace. Step number seven, the final 45 minutes is actually talking about work. Everything else before that is about them. Now, if all goes well, uh, step number eight is they'll go and meet with their department that they're going to work with for dinner or a happy hour or coffee or you name it. And they're going to go to a different environment that lets people have their hair down and they're going to find out if this really is the right fit for them and if it's the right fit for the team. When I hired my personal assistant, my wife and I went out to dinner with Jess and we asked her a bunch of questions and we found out more about her life. And step number nine is we give the job offer. This takes time because what we have to be doing is we have to be making time for our team members. Not like I did with Mariah and not like I did with Kim, but it's getting to know them and getting to know all of them to invest in them on the front end. But we can't just invest in the front end. We have to invest in the back end too. Once they're actually in our ecosystems, we have to have a world that's setting them up to win. We have to continue to build that relationship and that rapport. Now, you can't, if, if you're looking at your world right now and you're thinking, okay, I have five people in my world, awesome. You, you are set up for success if you have five people. If you have 10 people in your world and you're the only key leader, the bummer is you are oversaturated with people and undersaturated with leaders. Jesus had 12 disciples and y'all ain't Jesus. I believe you should have five or six people in your direct care that you know the intimate, deep details about and that you have a massive connection with, that you're scheduling regular one-on-ones and finding all these connection pieces that you have to be going so deep, not just in the hiring process, but once they're actually there, that you have people who are your key people. This rears its ugly head when you have more than five or six people reporting to you. You are falling short and burning bridges that you don't even know yet. 
One of my favorite rules is the rules of threes and tens. The rules of threes and tens. Google it right now uh, when I'm done with this podcast. Google it. The rules of threes and tens. It talks about when our ecosystems go to three people, everything changes. We operate differently. We have a different rhythm and approach to what we're doing. And then when we grow to 10 people, and that may be nine or 11, uh, but when we grow to about 10 people, we have to reinvent ourselves. How we function, how we lead, who reports where, everything changes. And then as the rule of threes and tens goes, when you hit 30 people, it's that same restart button. You have to find a new way to function and you can't do it the way in which you did previously. And then the same as at 100 people or 300 and 1,000 and 3,000 and 10,000. So your scalability has to be permeable based on the number of people that you have in your world. If you're going to take incredible care and make time for your team members, you can't be everything to everyone if you're more than six or so people. You just can't. The final thing I want to hit home with you right now is the idea of the people in your world. And we want to, of course, encourage, uh, as John Maxwell says, when John Maxwell was asked, you know, how do you, uh, how do you motivate your people? Maxwell responded and he said, I don't, I just hire motivated people. And we want to find the right people. We want to find motivated people to come into our worlds because that is really important. But motivation is like the wind. It comes and it goes. There are times in my life when I am motivated to go to the gym every single day and other times where that's the last thing I want to do. Motivation is inconsistent. The sexiest thing to look for in your people as you're hiring is people who are disciplined. People who have the audacity to do things even when it's uncomfortable. If you can be finding disciplined people, your ability to be disciplined in how you show up for them is going to be the difference maker. So take a deep breath. There is a lot to do in how we take care of our team members. It takes time in the beginning to hire them and to find the right people. And it takes a massive amount of time at the end, once they're in your ecosystem, to give them your best and to be disciplined as a leader to show up for them every single day. Make sure you're not watering things down by having too many people within your care. So here's my challenge to you. Here's what I want you to do is I want you to Google the rules of threes and tens, learn about that. Uh, I want you to follow this nine-step hiring process and adopt at least step number three, and that is the career night. And of course, I want you to be better for your people. So gang, you've been listening to, of course, the Hatching Leaders podcast. My name's Eric Hatch, cleverly putting my name on everything. This has been chapter eight of our podcast, episode number eight, chapter eight, whatever it is. I'm super pumped about it. And now go and do good.